believe it. He was so young. How could this have happened? Well, he'd been logging some pretty heavy hours. First one in in the morning, last one to leave at night. The kid was a human dynamo. Are you sure you're talking about George? You are Mr. and Mrs. Costanza. What the hell did you trade Jape Unit for? <laughs> he had 30 home runs and over 100 RBIs last year. He's got a rocket for an arm. You don't know what the hell you're doing. Well, Peter was a good prospect, no question about it. But my baseball people love Ken Phelps bat. They kept saying, Ken Phelps, Ken Phelps. I'm not here, leave a message. Jerry, it's Frank Costanza. Mr. Steinbrenner's here. George is dead. Call me back. He's done it! All right. Welcome, everyone. He's done it, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and today I'm joined by Brian Wells. In this episode, we will have a main story where we'll talk about sports potentially returning. Uh, I know it's something that we've kind of discussed in the past, but uh, amid this coronavirus pandemic, there are a lot of leagues that are moving forward with potential plans, having uh, real discussions, and even some that have come back in some capacity. So we'll talk about that and we'll talk about the the pros and cons, whether it's a good idea, and then also kind of go into more details of specifically Major League Baseball's plan, uh, given that they have a proposal that the owners are sending the players. Uh, from there, we'll, we'll have more fun topics as uh, our top five for this episode will be counting down our favorite sports TV network theme songs. And Brian uh, has brought back the five questions segment. He has uh, five questions that the two of us will answer. So those will be some about sports entirely, others partially, and then some not at all. So I hope to have a good episode with the two of us. And let's get started by talking about sports returning right now. And of course, there's, there's a global pandemic going on. It's affecting not just the U.S., but sports around the world. And there are a number of leagues that are starting to come back. They have come back or they're at least trying to figure out how to return. And I think that's a big theme here in the United States with at least the main team sports not in play right now. And the biggest thing that's going to play a role in any of these leagues is the safety. And we were talking about players and the coaches and everyone involved to be healthy to return. So I guess from that perspective, is this something that we should be rushing right now? Is this a good idea to be moving forward with the return of sports given what's happening? No, we shouldn't rush it, but because the priority should be for everyone to be as safe and healthy as possible. But for someone that is as big of a sports fan as I am, I'm, super desperate for it to come back now some of the sports have come back uh, i watched this weekend i watched some of the iRacing uh, event that they had this past weekend i also watched 
so NASCAR. Oh yeah. Okay, I did see that. Yeah, I didn't actually watch it, but like virtual NASCAR. Yeah, it's like vert. Yeah, exactly. Virtual NASCAR, and it's actually pretty cool. I mean, I'm not gonna watch the entire thing, of course, but it's it is pretty realistic from the real thing, and they've done a good job of that for the past month. And UFC 249 came back this weekend, and I'm not a UFC fan whatsoever, but I needed some sort of entertainment in, in the sports uh, industry, and I watched a good good chunk of that. So uh, we have some sports that have returned, but it would be nice for the major sports like baseball, hockey, and basketball to return at some point. Yeah, I, I really do think it would be great for them to come back right now. Uh, from a personal standpoint, I, I've definitely been missing sports. It's been hard going without them for two months. And I think at some levels, it's easy to kind of say, okay, well, they'll come back, you'll have testing, you won't have any fans, it'll be safe for the players. But I don't know that's something we can ensure right now. And that that's something that I, I've just been struggling with is wanting them to be back in whatever capacity possible, but also realizing that these players are people too. Like they're going through the same things that we are right now. And I think it's easy for me to say as someone who is able to work from home, has been doing it for the past two months, that these athletes should be able to go to work and put themselves in a position where they can't social distance. They are inherently going to be exposed to others who could potentially have this virus and then could pass it along to others, whether it's someone who works for the team who's vulnerable or just family members. It's like one of those moral dilemmas that I keep going back and forth with in my head is the wanting baseball back, wanting basketball, wanting hockey, wanting football to start in the fall, but also recognizing that there there's a bigger problems going on. And I don't know when I'll have the right answer, but if all these leagues can ensure player safety, absolutely, we we should be okay with uh, these leagues coming back. No, like I said that the health of the players and coaches and trainers is by far the biggest priority, uh, but it would be nice for them to come back. Now, for these leagues to come back, they definitely would need to be in, well, for NHL and NBA at least, they would definitely need to be in some sort of bubble if they were to do a playoff format possibly, where only certain amount of, certain people can are allowed to go into this bubble, whether it's Disney World or Vegas or Florida and Arizona or wherever. Uh, I mean, it's probably it's probably impossible for not one person to get it. I mean, I just talked about how UFC came back. One of the fights got canceled because one of the fighters actually got he tested positive the for coronavirus. It. He tested positive for it, and so it's a sign that someone or very likely multiple people are going to get it. But it, it, there's no great plan for it, but it's it's important to limit it as much as possible. Yeah, and I think we, we've been hearing about this whole concept of like a biodome, just kind of isolating these players in one or two locations, particularly the NBA and the NHL. So like you know, the NBA, they're talking about playing in Vegas, playing in Disney World. The NHL just sending teams out to like North Dakota or even New Hampshire has been discussed. Just you know, some remote area uh, compared to some of these other cities that these teams normally play in. But then you're running the fact that, okay, you're just going to have these guys living in a quarantine may or may not be able to be with their family for this you know, couple months, however long it is. So there's a whole lot of struggles that come with it. 
which I, I find it interesting that Major League Baseball had been talking about the possibility of playing at central locations, whether you're putting everyone in Florida, Texas, Arizona. Um, but their their recent proposal is the idea that they'd be able to play games in teams' home stadiums. And I think that would be amazing. But baseball has one of the advantages in that they mostly play in outdoor stadiums, whereas the NBA and the NHL, you're forcing people to be inside, which it seems like that is a higher risk of spreading this virus and outdoors so that's another thing that we need to kind of consider here and while i'm sure that it would be great to kind of see nba players go you know three on three five on five on a blacktop you can't have the playoffs like that so that's certainly a stumbling block outside of the u.s there are other leagues that have started up or in the process of starting up korean baseball organization has been going on for a while now they have robots in the fans as fans but they've been playing you have players they'll wear masks you even had a brawl i think on opening day like there's there's a ton of normal baseball going on just with fans in the crowd and it would be amazing if we could have something like that here whenever the time is right but i guess what no I what's totally... your perspective on playing without fans I mean, so baseball kind of already plays. Some of the baseball teams already play without fans. <laughs> yeah, kind I mean, of. yeah, but pirates. Jokes aside, jokes aside. No, I'm all for it. Whatever the sport is, play without fans, which will be kind of weird for the players and for people that are watching on TV. But we got it. We got to get the teams. Put, we got to get the sports back. Yeah, artificial noise, whatever you need in the crowd. Like you know, have have just like some kind of cardboard cutout so it doesn't look like empty seats. Like you can find ways to dress it up and make it seem normal. And I don't know how often did you watch like spring training games on ESPN? Uh, I never. Okay. Well, did, did you ever see clips when they they had players mic'd up on the field? In some of the oh, games. I did yeah. watch. So one game I did watch. It was the Cubs and whomever, and Jess Mendoza and the the announcer, other announcers. They were talking with Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant the, for like a good five or six innings. Yeah. it was actually pretty oh, it was cool. awesome. I watched a game between the Braves and the Red Sox, and they had Freddie Freeman mic'd up, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever because that's not something you're used to with baseball. And if if they can do things like that just to add to that the perspective from fans watching at home just to you know kind of distract you from the fact that they're, they're playing in empty stadiums. Like it's not like that Orioles White Sox game necessarily where they played in front of empty crowd. They played completely. Could, you yeah. can hear the ball land in the stands on the concrete. Uh, I think that they could right. find ways to at least dress it up. And to me, I would take any sports over no sports, even if it means not being able to be in the crowd at games. Because, I mean, I don't go to enough games in person. You know, living in Raleigh, North Carolina, I'm close to the Hurricanes, and I'm close to, like, NC State, but nobody else. So I'll maybe go to one or two Red Sox games a year. I haven't been to an NFL game since 2011. To me, there's not really a huge difference. And if they can find ways to make it seem like there is actually fans there without having actual fans then sure why not if that's what it takes if the players of course if they're okay with it and you're not having leagues just uh, have like a surplus of tests compared to other leagues or or other league compared to like the world in general uh, i think that it would be awesome to be able to go through this but i I, at the same time it's like they're they're risk and i understand why some players wouldn't want to come back Um, i think one league that is really interesting to me from the whole concept of players wanting to return and participate is the English Premier League. 
Now, really, all all of the major soccer leagues in general, I know the Bundesliga is set to come back this week, uh, but the Premier League is super intriguing to me because Liverpool is in first place, 25 points ahead of second place. They are six points away from winning the entire league. And unlike sports like the NBA, the NHL, which stopped midseason, there's no playoffs. Liverpool just has to play two games. They win both of them, and they win the whole league. They clinch the number one spot. And there's still like six more weeks to go after that, or you know, however many, however long it takes them to clinch. So that's even less time than than hockey and basketball has, because, I mean, they had, what, 15 to 20 games left in the regular season and then the playoffs. I mean, if, if it's really that close, how many points is a win? Three, three points. Yeah. So three it, points, it would yeah, be. So, it's, so literally two games like that shouldn't take. No, long. but from there, you would still have six weeks left. And the one thing about the Premier League is, well, yes, Liverpool would be the only one who realistically can win it at this point. Other teams are competing for different opportunities, like having the the berth in the Champions League or in the Europa League or even just avoiding relegation. But because you have that one dominant team, it's what is the incentive for some of these players, even fans, to want to return? And I, like that's one thing that I, I constantly am seeing is that the only people who would want to come back are Liverpool. Uh, but I, I've heard, uh, I actually listened to uh, just some some video not too long ago, someone with ESPN FC who was saying that the overwhelming majority of players do want to come back and play and that there are some incentives to come back. But uh, Newcastle, I think forward, Danny Rose, uh, he, he's actually a left back, left winger, so probably defense. Um, I'm not not a huge soccer fan, but he said they're just like the no, whole no, thought no, of no. like, the nation's morale, like Britain needs soccer to come back because everyone will be happy. Kind of what we're talking about with sports in the U.S. He said, I don't give a F about the nation's morale. People's lives are at risk. This is coming from a player who's on a team that's 13th in the table. They don't really have a whole lot to play for. They're, they're not going to finish in the top eight or nine, whatever they need to make it to a uh, you know, postseason European competition. So from that perspective, it wouldn't. It would make sense to me that there'd be players who was like, "Why am I coming back and playing right now? My team has nothing to gain. There's a global pandemic going on." I would understand why. If you look at the NBA perspective, the Lakers and the Bucks and the Clippers would want to play, but why would the Wizards and the Hornets and the Suns want to come back? I mean, yeah, it sounds like in the Premier League, not many teams outside of Liverpool and maybe a couple other teams don't have much incentive to play. But in, but the NBA and NHL, there are more than half the teams still have plenty incentive to play. There are. You're right. Back. But wouldn't you need the entire lead to come back? Now, if if they just jump right in the playoffs, that's one thing. But then you also get into the, the fact of, okay, you're going to cut off while teams have played an uneven number of games, and there is still like 15 games left, like you said. That's still my, so much my guess, time. My guess is that they would just go straight into the playoffs. I know NHL has talked about doing – not only starting with the playoffs, but going with a 2014 yeah. playoff. So like even a crappy team like the Canadians could play. I, I think that that would be how they would have to go about it is just expanding the postseason. But at the same time, if you're the Chicago Bulls, who are, I think, like 11th in the Eastern Conference and say like they were to do the top 12 would get in. Do you have that much incentive to go out and get 
swept by the 76ers in the first round and like no, not put really. yourself no. at risk to like go be isolated for a week in Vegas. I, I I don't know if that like so apparently um a bunch of the top NBA players according to um Chris Haynes from Yahoo Sports all got on a conference call so LeBron, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Giannis, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Kawhi and Seth Curry. They all got on a conference call and established a united front in favor of returning season. And most of those guys play on contenders. They play on teams that have a realistic shot of winning a championship this year. They weren't talking to guys, at least based on who was reported there, that were totally out of it. They had nothing to play for. I mean, Kevin Durant was part of it, and he's injured right now. He, he may or may not end up playing for a while, even if the league does come back. So I think that that that's an intriguing concept to think about is the incentive for players to come back. And if all it is is just a few more game checks, maybe that's all it would take just to get them out there. But if you're talking about putting everyone in central location, I guess it's only playoff teams anyway. But then how are you doing the Western Conference when you have like five teams all within like a game or two for that final playoff spot? There's no perfect plan for any of this. It just try to find the best plan possible to get sports or the NBA coming coming back and entertaining all the fans. Yeah, and I guess uh, while we're talking about plans, uh, there is one league that actually has a plan, and uh, that is Major League Baseball. And the owners submitted a proposal to the player, something that is widely believed to be at least uh, counter- offered if not totally rejected right away and while health concerns are absolutely a factor here that's something that this proposal is gonna need to figure out the players are going to have questions for the owners the owners are proposing a 50 50 split of revenue which is below the 52 48 that was previously agreed upon in march when these two sides got together to discuss the possibility of a shortened or a completely canceled season. And all I can say is I will be so disappointed in major league baseball. If the reason we don't have it in 2020 is because of financial factors. I could not agree more with that. I mean, the players, I don't think they'll be happy with a 50, 50 revenue split, but and I always side with, I usually side with the players in these kind of matters, 99 times out of 100. But I think this year it's kind of the exception or it's it's pretty different with given our times. And I think they got to take it and and come back to playing baseball, and whether if it's end of June or early July. And I just don't think the players can expect to get half of their salary in a half-shortened season with no fans. So you can't even sell tickets. Because there's definitely yeah. some ticket revenue. When, yeah, I think whenever forty percent of uh, what, what Major League Baseball teams generate is from ticket revenue. Um, I, see, I I disagree though. I think that they already reached an agreement on a how the money would be split. I don't think that the players should immediately submit right away to taking less money. Uh, I mean, we're so the the plan is for spring training to resume mid-June, around June 10th, and then opening day around July 1st, so sometime around the 4th of July. I think that 
the players have enough time to be able to sit back and say, hey, we'll agree to all this other stuff. We'll agree to play in this pandemic, but you're not going to take any more of our money that we already agreed to. I think that's totally reasonable for them because in the end, Owners can sit at home. They can they can sit in their big luxury boxes. They can find ways to be as isolated as possible to keep themselves safe. Whereas the players are the ones that are on the field. And while baseball is not necessarily as much of a contact sport as other sports out there, you can't social distance on a baseball field for the entire game. And especially you're talking about in the dugout. And it's, to me, I think that... Uh, it is totally reasonable for the players to you know, want that extra 2% because it's just so much money in the long run, especially when when you talk about that only 30% of MLB players are set to make more than a million dollars this season. You're talking about a lot of minor league players who don't have these like disposable income that a lot of the top guys have. And to me, I, I think that they should absolutely want to have as much as possible. But of course, you do run the risk of are we going to end up not having a season because of that? And I, I, I would just hate it if that was the reason. Yeah, it would be it would be awful that we don't and come back after the 1994 strike. You would think that Major League Baseball could learn because that that hurt the game in huge ways. And really, the only reason why they came out of it alive was because of the steroid era. And that's not a thing that we can expect right now. And Major League Baseball isn't just going to turn a blind eye to these guys just so they can have a bunch of home runs to bring baseball back. I think this is a huge opportunity for baseball to come back and be the center of the sporting world. I mean, there are people who are waking up at 1 in the morning or staying up all night to watch the KBO games. Why wouldn't they do that for baseball, even if other sports come back eventually? Why not? make baseball front and center have have people something that they can watch and maybe grow this sport in popularity because it's something that has been struggling so it's definitely been dropping and i know i've been paying less and less attention to the sport year by year but this would be the perfect opportunity to for me to really jump back in on uh baseball for my viewing experience. Yeah, and when we talk about the plan, I mean, the, the biggest thing, you're starting in July, you're looking at a shortened season, 82 games. If you've listened to any baseball episode of He's Done It, you would know that Brian loves this concept of having a totally shortened Major League Baseball season. Oh, I, I love it. I love it. Every game matters so much more. It's not like football where it's 16 games or anything like that, but it's like the NHL and NBA where the games matter twice as much now. And yeah, I'm all for a shortened season and I'm going to love this, yeah, if it comes back. Yeah, so if they do this, teams would be playing in their home ballparks, which even without fans, that's huge. Just the idea of you know walking around a city like Boston or Pittsburgh and seeing the stadium and seeing you know Fenway Park and PNC Park, knowing that there's baseball being played in it, even if you can't be inside, I think that would just that would be huge when you talk about morale for those cities. And you know, I know Danny Rose can say that national morale doesn't matter right now, but it, it absolutely does. Like there's there's two sides to this pandemic: is the health of individuals and the morale of individuals, and that's that's something that having sports played all in this one centralized location can't give as much as they can playing everyone at home. Now, in some places, it's not going to happen. Blue Jays won't be able to play in Toronto because of the whole leaving the country restrictions. Uh, I can't imagine that New York is going to be able to have games, uh, but they'll, they'll just put teams in their spring training sites in Florida, and I think that they'll be able to make it work while somewhat minimizing travel by only having teams play divisional opponents or the cross 
interleague division. So AL East and NL East, AL Central, NL Central, AL West, NL West. Uh, I'm I'm for that idea, by the way. Yeah, like the playing the AL and the NL East playing each other, and then Central and West playing each other, and even though that doesn't help teams, especially in the East, because that's a much harder division now, I, the biggest priority is the safety. And yeah, the I, I think so. it's great. And then as part of this, so is 82 games you're going to end up playing. I, I did the math. It's 13 games against each divisional opponent and then six games against the other side of things. Uh, from there, you're going to have a 14-team postseason instead of 10, which under normal circumstances, I don't like the idea of growing the Major League Baseball postseason field any more than they already have. I think 10 games is it's fine. Um, but in this kind of shortened season, the way that everything is playing out, I think that 14 teams makes a ton of sense, kind of like the NBA, NHL, what other other leagues potentially expanding their playoffs midseason. It's the same kind of concept here. This year is the exception the exception because if this was a normal year and they were proposing 14 team playoff i would completely hate it but given the circumstances i'm i'm for a 14 team i mean it's more baseball you're losing an entire first half of like sunday night baseball and other national games add more playoff games to make up for it Uh, of course you do run the risk of if a second wave hits then that's going to basically wipe out the playoffs potentially uh but if you operate under the assumption that everything is going to be kind of similar in October as it is in July, then yeah, that seems like the the smart approach. Just have as big of a playoff field as you can without going overboard and give more teams an incentive to try this year. It's a shortened season already. so Yeah, a shortened season and a bigger playoff. Yeah. That'll give a lot of teams, if not every team, uh, a reason to try yep. hard. and that, that's something that baseball absolutely needs right now because there are plenty of teams who don't have a huge incentive to compete under normal years but I'd, normal years like half the teams would just tank yeah and, and not even try and you're they're already out of the playoff race by may or june yep and i i don't think that's going to happen under this scenario so uh, i guess beyond that there's really one big rule change that is up for huge debate and that is uh, a universal designated hitter. I knew you're gonna. That's, I knew you're gonna. Yeah, say so, that too. from an American League only fan perspective, why don't you go first on this one? I, I know we've talked about this before, but yeah, and I still have the exact same opinion that I'd, I, I want it to be universal DH, no matter what, no, no matter the year, whether if it's a normal year or a year like this. I always want the DH. I, I hate. I know there's strategy in having a pitcher bat and putting putting down the bun or pinch hitting pitch hitting for him in the sixth inning but I, I I'm I want to be the same in both leagues and I, I'd rather see someone who knows what they're doing at the plate than a pitcher outside of Bumgarner yeah I, like the, this whole concept of oh you're, you're gonna take away strategy in baseball it's like how is having hitters bat a good thing because of a rare home run that's we're gonna ruin baseball by making these guys bat one seventy five, and just be like automatic outs, total rally killers. I I have the perspective of both American League and National League, and I am a hundred percent for designated hitter long term. Now, if anything, I would be a little hesitant about having DH only or DH in both leagues in twenty twenty only because 
National League teams didn't go through the offseason preparing for a DH. But I think that's a minor thing because teams will be able to find a way to throw a guy up at the plate. They can find gonna some do better guy than the pitcher. on their bench. Yeah. I mean, it, they'll find some guy on their bench that can hit a lot better, if, especially if the pitcher hits like an 100. Yeah, as his batting average. Yeah, it's it's just it's kind of ridiculous to me, and I get that baseball is a ton of traditionalists, but even seeing like younger fans who are pro pitchers batting, and it's not even like this is some novel concept. There are articles from the 19th century when baseball, before Major League Baseball is even a thing, before the World Series, saying that pitchers are terrible batters and they shouldn't be batting. So it it's just I I don't like the idea that. Uh, this would be a bad thing. This is something that should be up for debate. I, I think that it's it's archaic still to have pitchers bat. Um, you know, they, it's not something that should drive away fans. I think it's something that should bring in more fans. Uh, just having more guys up there swinging the bat, giving teams an opportunity to score. So, I guess you know the last point is that you would have expanded rosters. So you'd go from 26, which is already they were going to expand it by one extra player, to 30. And then you'd potentially have like a taxiing squad with more guys who, you know, when guys get injured or even potentially test positive for coronavirus, you could substitute players easily. Um, It would be a detriment to minor league baseball. I don't think there would be a minor league season, uh, but it, it would be very interesting to see what teams do when it comes to players who are kind of fringe you know on knocking on the door of being called up to major league baseball like maybe they'd have uh they're close to being ready but they want to conserve their service time want them developing a little more now you're almost in a position where it's there's way more incentive to actually have some of these guys go up to the majors now and just see what they can do in this shortened season i don't know if i don't know how much i i don't know if i love or hate this idea because I mean, we've seen expanded rosters in September plenty of times, and I don't know. And I, I don't know. I feel like doesn't it increase the the chances of people or players or trainers or coaches catching the virus if they have the extra five or ten players? Yeah, I mean, that does sound right. Yeah, I, I guess it would. I, I don't know if there's a need to have 30 guys instead of 26 if you have that whole taxiing squad, like if a guy gets hurt in the middle of the game, all right, you don't have him anymore, but then you you swap him out the next game with someone who's across the street or wherever. Uh, it, it feels like it's something that, that's unnecessary from the, the whole expansion from 26 to 30 standpoint, but it makes sense you'd want to have guys around who are ready to step in. Um, I, maybe Maybe slowly increase it. So like for the month of July, you have... 26 to 30 and then august is 30 to 35 and then september is 40 i don't know i don't know if that's part of the plan um but i i that is a good point <laughs> you know having more players you're right you are inherently increasing it you know, they talk about limiting the number of uh you know people in in large gatherings so yeah i i didn't even think about that perspective but it does it does feel a little unnecessary the more i i voice this but uh, I mean, when when I'm thinking about a team like the Pirates, who have a number of top prospects, who uh, if fans want them to come up and play, but 
the you know going into the season the expectation would be they'd start in AAA because they're not quite ready or you know whatever reason you want to conserve their service time. Um, and I think the big example is third baseman Cabrian Hayes, who's considered the best defensive third baseman in all of AAA, but he's not a great hitter. So there's an argument to be made that he needs more development in AAA. Well, if there's no AAA, then it makes might sense. Well yeah, might as well make him your third baseman over Colin Moran. But I'm curious to see what teams like that would do because we also kind of we talked about it in an 82 game season with 14 playoff teams. There's way more incentive for teams to try to make the playoffs, at least at the start of the season. Everyone feels like they have a chance to get to that playoff and go on a run from there. So I think uh, it'd just be different with every team. So like a team like the the Orioles or the Marlins who have even with the pandemic a short in a shortened season they still don't have a chance so they might as well just bring up the up and coming prospects that they have but if there's a team that's in the middle of the pack or really good then maybe maybe they would have less incentive i mean idea. if they yeah if the team like the yankees like they they have plenty of guys they they're not going to be rushing to to bring up their stars in double a uh but yeah i mean the, the that's definitely something that we would we would certainly seem to watch for um especially if the idea is to get these guys opportunities to actually play in games. If all they're doing is sitting around, well, you get them in games, you put them on the major league roster. All right. So um, I guess that that'll wrap things up for our sports returning amid the coronavirus discussions. Um, We'll certainly have more as some of these leagues actually start up again. But for now, let's uh, let's jump into our top five. And uh, a few weeks ago, I stumbled across a TikTok video on Twitter. Uh, it was by this guy named Makai Johnson at MacMan15. I'll give him a plug since he inspired this top five. And he uh, he made a video of him pretending to play football while counting down or. I wouldn't necessarily even say counting down. He did them out of order for some reason, but he did his top five NFL TV network theme songs. And he put NFL Network number one, which I thought was the strangest thing. Uh, not even a theme I, I song would, I really even consider. I would con- I would consider that if we were doing bottom five. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't put a top five. I read an article like basically critiquing it, and the guy was like, "I'm not even going to entertain NFL Network on here." <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> he just did the other four, uh, but that inspired me. And my thought was, "All right, why not just expand it to all sports leagues, um, and the the TV coverage, the different theme songs that they have." So. Uh, you know, in honor of <laughs> Mackay Johnson's terrible TikToks, uh, we will count down our favorite TV network sports theme songs in today's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. All right, so Brian, why don't you get us started with your number five? Okay, so my number five, I went with NBA on ABC slash ESPN. It's my favorite favorite one for NBA uh, out of the ones that they uh, the ones that are given and it's a I don't know it's a it's a good it's a good startup for an NBA game and 
it gets me pumped up for NBA Finals games and or even Celtics games when they're in the playoffs. And yeah, yeah so go ahead. I um I basically had a five A and a five B, and I was trying to decide which NBA theme song I liked better. So I like ESPN's. I think that's a really good walking through the tunnel song, but. In the end, I decided to make my number five, the NBA on TNT. And the reason for that is because I think that it is so much better for just introducing the pregame, uh, you know, cutting to commercials, whatever, just bringing us into Ernie Johnson and you know, Shaq and Charles Barkley. It's just, I think that that theme song is just more versatile whereas the espn one i really like it for just the immediate intro and then it kind of it, it loses its touch on me a little bit compared to the tnt one i think both are really good they're both deserving of being here but i, I went with the tnt one as my number five yeah i like the i like tnt the channel with the the halftime crew like you said with ernie johnson Shaq, uh kenny smith and uh and charles barkley and then I like some of the announcing crew. Like I love Kevin Harlan. Kevin Harlan's and, awesome. Yeah, he's my favorite. And then and a couple of the announcers that are on TNT. But I guess for the intro music, I prefer the ESPN one more. Well, hopefully we'll get to hear those both pretty soon uh, when the NBA playoffs return. But absolutely, we'll see. That might be wishful thinking. And so for my number four, I went with NHL on NBC. It doesn't have the best, it's not my absolute favorite intro, but for someone that really enjoys playoff hockey, or hockey in general, especially watching the Bruins, uh, I like hearing the NBC uh, lead up, especially when it goes into the game and you get to hear Doc, who's probably my ov- ov- my favorite overall announcer in any sport, and it gets me pumped up for NHL, so I put him with yeah. NHL on NBC for my number four. Yeah, I mean, Doc, Doc Emmerich is awesome. I think one of the most difficult things for me was trying to separate the theme song from the sport itself or even that's the why announcing crew, whatever. That's why, I didn't, that's why I didn't put it that high. I, I yeah, I mean, that was the biggest reason why the NHL and NBC wasn't in my top five because I, I love the Stanley Cup playoffs. I love the NBC broadcasting team, particularly Doc Emmerich. Uh, but in the end, I just thought there were better ones. Uh, like my number four, which is... The NFL on CBS. And I here's another example, though, where it's like, how much of this is me just loving NFL football? But as a fan of an AFC team, you know, someone who grew up in New England who also has an AFC team, I was always hearing the CBS theme song, and it just it grew on me as a great NFL theme song. And you just get that introduction coming in, and you're like, all right, I'm ready for this to cut to Jim Nance with his Hello Friends, or we're here from Gillette Stadium, or Heinz Field, or wherever. And uh, I, I just think that it, most of the NFL theme songs are really great, and CBS is definitely in the top five overall. My number three, I went with another CBS one, but not football. I went with NCAA basketball on CBS. Now, I'm not the 
absolute biggest college basketball fan, but I do love the tournament like most people. And it's on other channels like TNT, TBS, True TV, but the best one for sure is on CBS. And I always get pumped when I hear that intro, especially going into a tournament game or Final Four game or national championship game. And then hearing, like you said, Jim Nance and his hello friends and introducing us to the game. So I went with NCAA basketball on CBS at number three. Yeah, CBS is, they're all around really great when it comes to their broadcast packaging. Um, even their, their football is awesome. But yeah, NCAA on basketball, whether it's March Madness or just a random uh, you know, regular season game in December, it's uh, definitely great hearing that one. Uh, from a number three, so I had NFL on CBS at four, NFL on Fox comes in at three. I give NFL on Fox a slight edge for a few reasons. So one thing I said, I am an AFC fan, of course, as as a Steelers fan. So I didn't watch as many games on Fox necessarily growing up. Of course, you know, with with Red Zone and stuff, you end up watching a ton of Fox games. But I think that the NFL on Fox theme song is just the perfect intro for showing the players just running onto the field. That's Every time I hear it, I just immediately think of like, okay, we're in Atlanta and I see Matt Ryan and the Falcons running on or in Tampa and it's in the Bucks. It's just, it just feels so fitting for that. And I think another thing that kind of puts the NFL on Fox just ahead of the NFL on CBS for me. So I didn't end up doing this, but when I was doing the uh, the whole Colton Corley takes on a McDonald's challenge, I was doing the live broadcast on Instagram. I was like thinking about, okay, can I put like an intro thing here and have it work well? And ultimately it was a little too complicated for me to try to actually go about it in a smooth way. But if I was going to do some kind of intro, it would have had the Fox background, uh, Fox music playing in the background. So that that, that was uh, one thing. It was like it's the kinda, fact that kinda, my mind went to Fox for that It's kind tells of me a, it's better than CBS. It's kind of a humorous workout kind of uh, background music, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that I think the NFL and Fox, it, it's it's football to me. I, I, to be honest, the Fox uh, on NFL, it's kind of gotten old on me. And as someone that's not the biggest fan of Joe Buck, I I guess yeah, whenever I hear that, I, th- I just fair. think of uh, Joe Buck's bland announcing. Now he's better than he used to be than he was way he's back. He's awesome now. I, yeah, I he's, love he's, Joe he's, Buck now. So I will admit, as someone who's not a Joe Buck fan, he's much better now than he was in the early 21st century uh, when his calls, especially during baseball games, were just super bland and... Not didn't have the greatest calls, but he's he's better now yeah. than he was then. Yeah, and, yeah. And for my number two, I went with the Masters on CBS slash ESPN. As someone that's a, a, a huge fan of the PGA Tour, I love when the Masters is on. It's basically like a, another Super Bowl for me, and. Out of all the majors, it's definitely the one I enjoy the most, and I love I love CBS uh, how they produce the the golf, the sport of golf, and it's kind of like the same thing as NCAA basketball where you get to hear the nice, uh, quiet uh, melody or or whatever, and and then you hear Jim Nance's "Hello Friends" and introduces us, and with Nick Faldo, of course, 
announcing Poseidon and, and the rest of the crew. And I just love the intro for it. I think it is the most fitting theme song for any event uh, that we could come up with. It's just that, that like soft piano. Uh, especially going into Jim Nance. It's my number and, two and as he's well. Like it's it's just phenomenal. Yeah. He does that that silent or quiet, uh, the Masters on CBS or something Yeah, like well, that. there's also a tradition unlike any other. Tradition like unlike any yeah. other, right. It's just like, you know, it. you you start hearing it so early too because the Masters, you know, obviously this year they didn't happen in April, but in most years it's middle of April and it's always January 1st. You know, you're, you're laying on your couch, you're probably watching the Rose Bowl and all of a sudden the commercial comes on and you're kind of like okay you know i know last night was fun but it's 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 still only january 1st right and uh you're just kind of like okay yes the masters on cbs it's it's sometimes ready. it's tom rinaldi yeah. too and you're like okay it. spring is getting close right you know yeah. christmas is over it's almost springtime let's get ready and uh it, it just it's just so soothing so calm so awesome and uh i I can't imagine having any kind of like pump up song like some of the other ones we talked about. Oh yeah, the <laughs> and they just execute it's, it so perfectly for being this unique. It's not a it's not a sport where it's just like oh yeah let's go let's 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 kick some kick some butt like no it's it's got to be this soft soothing uh, piano and like you said it start you'll see the commercial in January February even though it's a couple months away it's it still gets you or at least for me. It gets yeah. me excited for golf and for that. It always major. makes me think it's way closer than it is, so that's the only like downside of it. It's like, all right, I see it. It's like, yeah, hey, Masters right around the corner. It's like, oh no, it's a hundred days away. But and you at least start giving getting excited for spring uh, as soon as you hear it. Right. And so for my number one, uh, Corey already brought this up, but it was uh, a little bit down his list. My number one is NFL on CBS. If you can't tell by now, I'm a huge fan of the CBS production. Yeah. <laughs> but my 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 overall my number one overall one is NFL on CBS. And like Corey said, I as a fan of an AFC team, uh, I always get to hear that I get to hear that theme song a lot before Patriots game, especially when they're in the playoffs and going into the AFC Championship game. They made I think what eight in a row, eight AFC Championship games in a row, and. CBS yeah. always does the AFC Championship game, and their theme song and their beat before they show the field and the players, it always that that beat always gets me pumped up for for football. And and then again, we get to hear Jim Nance, who's after Doc, outside of Doc, he's probably my next favorite. And I I just love the intro to the CBS NFL and CBS one. So that's my personal favorite. Yeah, I mean CBS has. Overall, the best. If we were just ranking the channels on their packages, I think both of us would put CBS number one. My number one is also a CBS one that you talked about, and that's NCAA basketball. You know, some of the others that they have really kind of fit the mood, whereas the Masters, it's a nice soft. The NFL, it's one of those big, like, hardcore pump up things 
Whereas NCAA basketball, it's just this happy, exciting tone. And you're just like, yes, I am ready for March Madness when you hear this. It's just maybe that's that's what I was associated with because I love March Madness. So just hearing that theme song, it's naturally going to be number one for me. But I, I think it's just another example of a, a theme that perfectly suits the event that it's going to play. So to me, that NCAA basketball whether it whether it's march whether it's december it's it is the the number one the cbs version so uh i think in terms of honorable mentions you definitely had a few i do want to kind of talk about espn nfl monday night football where where would that one fall for that, you that one that one's that one's pretty close i'd probably have it six or seven really yeah because I, I, it's kind of corny, but I, I I don't know. I think it fits the Monday perfectly. It is. It's iconic. Like if you're just talking about the most iconic theme songs, it's probably number one. Everyone knows the Monday Night Football theme song. I mean, like it was my dun, dun, uncle's dun, dun, wedding dun. song. You wouldn't have the NFL on CBS theme song as your wedding song. Yeah, it is his wedding song. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, he's a huge football fan, and it it makes sense that Monday Night Football. That's you hear that everyone knows a dun 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 it's it's monday night football uh but i feel like it's just so kind of mainstream and overplayed that i can't help but put it number four like even below nfl on nbc for me still above nfl network but it just i don't know it, i feel like that's one where you either have it it, it is overused and, cor- and yeah. kind of corny but i I don't think it's Still, bad. It's it's a yeah. fine theme song. I just I don't have it in my top five for that reason. But I could absolutely make a case that it's the number one, like it's the greatest because of just how iconic it is. Right. All right. So that'll wrap up our top five. And from there, let's move on to our five questions. So, Brian, uh, you brought back this segment. We hadn't done it in uh, a few months now as we've we've been doing the top five again, which is something that we hadn't done at the beginning of the year. So... Let's uh let's get right to it. And question number one: Would you take over or under one and a half seasons for Dak Prescott playing in a Cowboys uniform after the Andy Dalton signing? I would take the over on one and a half seasons. I think I think the Andy Dalton signing is more to address the backup quarterback position more than anything, and. Dak did get a monster, according to rumors, he did get a monster offer that was $35 million annually and around $100 million guaranteed. And I don't think he, I think Dak is good. I think he had a, I think he improved on last year. Now he did suck in week 16 versus Philly, but he definitely did improve last season. But I still don't see him in that tier with Mahomes or Wilson or like Lamar Jackson, if if he continues his his MVP season from last season, I, I, but he's in that next tier. I I just think he should take if that's if those rumors are true. I think he should take a deal around that. And given that he's a top at least ten quarterback, but I don't think he's in that that first tier with those guys. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that the Andy Dalton signing really impacts us. Uh, to me, I would say the over before, and I'll say take the over here. Like you said, Andy Dalton's brought in to be the backup. Dak Prescott has gotten some big offers reportedly. I think he's kind of crazy for potentially holding out because the longer he lasts, the the less and less likely Jerry Jones would probably be to actually pay him. Um, 
So I think if anything, Dak could potentially put himself in a position where he's the reason why. But Andy Dalton coming in, I don't think that that's like the Cowboys are like, all right, we're going to move on from Dak Prescott. Oh, yeah, th- this, guy's, this guy is the future for sure. No, no. <laughs> no. That being said, I think Andy Dalton is more than capable of taking I, Dak Prescott's job if so, given the opportunity to play. The no, Cowboys think, are loaded. No, the thing is... I'm not an Andy Dalton fan. I think he kind of sucks. But if he's your backup, that's pretty. That's a pretty good option. He is an elite backup, backup quarterback. quarterback. Yeah, and absolutely. he can absolutely win ten games with Amari Cooper, with that roster. And Ezekiel Elliott, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup. Like he can, he can have success. Yeah, there. With, with that offense, even someone like him should still have pretty good success. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he was terrible. You know, by the end, Cincinnati was ready to move on from him. They had a horrible offensive line, even with some of their good weapons. But to me, AJ can, Green also missed last year. Yeah. Well. I mean, he can definitely step in and have success in Dallas. And if Dak Prescott doesn't play this right, he could find himself uh, out of his opportunity with the Cowboys. And who knows what the future would hold for him there? Because I don't think another team is going to rush to pay Dak Prescott the kind of money that. Jerry Jones has been willing to pay him to this point. To me, that would be the reason why um, I it, that he's not there. It, it would be a Dak Prescott thing. I don't think they're going to rescind the tag from him just because they brought in Andy Dalton. He's not a replacement, but he's certainly capable of putting the pressure on Dak Prescott and someone who could uh, potentially help the exit if Dak just decides that he's not going to sign his franchise. Tag. There's potential, but I think... Andy Dalton is there just to be the backup, and Dak will be there for the future. Absolutely. So we both we both are taking the over. And so for uh, so for question two, uh, Brooklyn Nets general manager Sean Marks hasn't fully ruled out Kevin Durant coming back this season if the NBA resumes play. Is this too soon to bring him back from a devastating Achilles injury? or a potentially golden opportunity for the Nets to capitalize on? Last season, Kevin Durant suffered that injury in the playoffs. And I think it was a calf injury, but that's something that and calf injuries, when rushed too soon, lead to Achilles injuries. And that is exactly what happened. So why would the Nets want to rush back Kevin Durant, even if the season comes back and you get to throw him in the playoffs and he's maybe healthier in June or July than he would have been in April or May. What incentive is there that outweighs the risk of just causing more damage that we've already seen happen to him? I mean, they're, they're, they're in seventh place in the Eastern Conference right now. Are they really going to go on a run? Are they really better than the Bucks? I mean, even are they better than the Celtics or the, the Raptors or the Sixers or the Heat with, a healthy Kevin Durant right now. I mean, the Nets were a pretty disappointing team this year. And I absolutely think given an off season to continue his recovery, you know, bring back a healthy Kyrie Irving, the Nets can be a top two or three team in the Eastern conference next year. I just don't think right now there's a whole lot of incentive to bring them back. The Nets are definitely a better team with Kevin Durant on the floor. No question, but that doesn't make them a title contender. They're still going to be worse than the, the Bucks. And then, yeah, possibly the Celtics, Raptors, Heat, Pacers, Sixers, you name it. And a repeat of what happened last year in games, Game 5 of the NBA Finals where he suffered that injury would be 
a repeat of that would be catastrophic. So I don't I don't think it's a good idea whatsoever. And I I would just if I were the GM, I would just come out and say no. There's no way he's coming back. Yeah, and I think that there have been some reports that say that he's definitely not going to return. But I don't know to what extent they are credible. And the fact that the GM is coming out and saying maybe we'll we'll bring him back, we won't rule it out, is a little concerning. But you know, if Kevin Durant really wants to get out there and play, and he says he's healthy, then. And maybe it would be worth it, but I don't think that they should be trying to force him, rush him out there. I don't even on... think they should even do a minutes restriction. I think they just should just straight up not play him. Zero minutes, year. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's no point minutes. in bringing him out there if there's a minutes restriction. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I I don't know. Like we said, we don't know if the season will actually come back. We don't know what the playoffs will look like, but it, it just sounds like a crazy concept to bring him back right now especially with all this time off. All right, so question three. If elected president Joe Biden is threatening to cut U.S. soccer's World Cup funding if women's team members don't get equal pay to the men's, is this right or wrong on Biden's part? So I'll be the first to say that... I'll be the first to say how awesome the women's team is. And and uh, I remember four years ago... or. Not four years ago, five years ago, in the 2015 World Cup final versus Japan, that was 15, 20 minutes of the most entertaining soccer I've ever watched. When they were already up four nothing on Japan, and it was their team is so good, and they even won the final, won it all uh, in 2019. And I'll also be the first to tell you how much I hate the men's team and how much they suck. We have 300 million people in our country, and we can't even form a decent men's soccer team we didn't even make the group stage this past world cup which is kind of embarrassing uh now i have no idea if how it works and if the men and women should get equal pay in soccer given tv ratings or jersey sales or whatever but i will say i think it's absolutely wrong on biden's part to say something like that and i also think he's full of crap and i think he just wants it's just a reason for having women vote for him in the election saying that and the fact that women hate Trump uh I I I think I think he's just full of crap saying something like that and yeah yeah I I can definitely see it just like from a political standpoint I think like you said the whole you know the the women's team is awesome the men's team is not and there there have been reasons to suggest that the women's soccer team deserves to make as much money from men when you look at things like revenue generated and TV ratings. And I know one of the factors for why men should be paid more than women in this case is that the men make more money per game. But part of the reason why is because they don't play as many games as the women's team. So you know the men not going to the World Cup helps them if they're making around the same amount of money as the women who go all the way and win it all. I, I don't know. To me, it it just seems like they absolutely are deserving. Now that being said, cutting World Cup funding—if you actually do that—now you're hurting the women's team in addition <laughs> to the men's team. I don't know if that's necessarily the solution. You know, if it works, then awesome. But if the U.S. soccer if they they don't call his bluff, <laughs> then 
that could be kind of uh, I, problematic for him. I, like, I don't even know why I thought I didn't even think of that when if he cuts the yeah, like, the funny, it, funny that would hurt them too. I feel like it almost hurt the women more if the men aren't even good enough to make the World Cup. Like I, I don't know. That seems kind of crazy. Uh, admittedly, I didn't do a whole lot of research into this, but. Uh, it, it, like the whole thought just kind of going off and what you're saying here it sounds like something he absolutely would say and it sounds like something would appeal to the general masses but you know, when you kind of think a little deeper on this one I, I i don't know he's just trying to get women on his side in the election that's all it is you know maybe is. maybe maybe that's uh that's what he needs right now now for question number four uh asian giant hornets commonly described as murder hornets have made their way to north america how big of a deal is this unless you're a beekeeper or a honeybee it's not a big deal and we've had murder hornets of different kind like you know maybe not the asian ones but africanized ones in the united states for decades and have they been a huge deal? I mean, they they kill 50 people a year in Japan. And maybe they won't kill you, but you'll have a really nasty sting. But these murder hornets aren't going around trying to murder you. If you stumble upon one on accident, maybe you'll be in trouble. But I, I just don't think that they're going to be a, a huge deal to us in general. Like, they're not going to wipe out the population. And who knows, maybe saying this is making me enemy number one for them, and I'm going to end up getting stung by a murder hornet in 10 years. But I, I, I'm, I don't think it's a huge deal. It's just another potentially fatal animal that is in the United States You know that we already have here. So I think this is going to be the first one where I'm going to disagree with you. And I'm probably wrong, but I'm terrified of bees. If there's anything <laughs> yeah. I hate more on this planet, it's bees and wasps i would hate snakes and sharks more but i'm not exactly in the jungle or ocean all the time but wasps and bees hornets they can be anywhere and news like this just could not come in a worse time given what the world is right now and it's also absurd if you look at this thing it's absurd what it looks like and there should be no reason something like this should exist on our planet i'm gonna read off like the the details on what this thing is like Okay. So Asian giant hornets can use mandibles shaped like spiked shark fins to wipe out a honey beehive in a matter yep. of hours, yep. decapitating the bees and flying away with their thoraxes to feed their young. So they're basically flying piranhas from when I'm reading. Oh yeah. When I read this. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It, it sounds like it sounds vicious. It sounds like the scariest thing ever. This uh, is like just I me said, being. A- yeah. No. He. I. I'm not a huge fan of bees either. Um. I hate spiders more than bees, but uh, I'm not a fan of hornets and wasps, that's for sure. I don't like the idea of coming into contact with a murder hornet. But like I said, I don't think that it should be a huge deal just for the general population. We're not all going to get like killed by a murder hornet. <laughs> you know, Maybe a handful of us will be unlucky. I think I think it's just the combination of... Again, that it's happening the during this pandemic. So let, yeah, let's say it was just right. normal times, and then this article comes out like, "Great, this doesn't bother me." But when you combine the pandemic, like when you're worrying about all everything that's going on, and then then you add on to the fact that oh, here are these murder hornets that are going to kill everybody. Oh, 
I gotta worry about yeah. this too. I mean, I think that because of a pandemic, that's the only reason why this has become so widespread because the media has been able to easily pass it along to us because we don't have other distractions. I think that's the biggest reason why this is even considered a huge deal right now. I think normally, maybe some people would hear about this, but it wouldn't be as widespread of a thing as it became. So, I don't know. Oh, hopefully, not of us have to worry about murder hornets. Never see one, but. I'm not super concerned. All right, so last question. Question number five. TMZ has reported that the wife of Earl Thomas was arrested last month for holding the Raven's safety at gunpoint after allegedly catching him in bed with his brother and other women. Thomas pre-broke the news on Instagram by telling his fans, stuff like this happens. This isn't really a question, uh, but we're certainly left asking a lot of questions about this one. <laughs> when I first read this story, uh, so when you read Ravis, Ra- Earl Thomas Raven's safety uh, was held at gunpoint uh, by his wife, catching him in bed with his brother and other women. Now stop there, though. Catching him in bed with his brother. I his mean, brother, yeah. That, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was... If I had a guess, I'm sure it was Earl Thomas with one woman, and then on like the other side of the bed or room or whatever. Well, how big was... is the bed? Like, <laughs> even a king size bed. Like... I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe he's a few they inches away. They were in away. a hotel. I mean, you know, maybe this it's a huge bed, and there were like six women in between the two of them. But I, you're, I, I don't know. I, I guess so. Seth Thomas. That's, that's Earl's Earl's <laughs> brother's name. You know, that's he's got a the only way he can end up with these women is with his star NFL brother. Like, so he's just got to put his priorities in this case and just take one for the team <laughs> here. Like, I, it, that's a strange thing. Um, I, I can't imagine that. But, yeah, I mean, the whole held at gunpoint thing. Uh, I think when you, you first kind of heard like Earl Thomas broke the news with stuff like this happens. I think immediately you watch that video of him and you're like, oh man, like he was definitely abusing his wife. It's some kind of domestic violence thing. Who, who knows how, how, like what exactly happened, uh, but that, that must be it. And no, it's almost the other way around. <laughs> that just ends up being this crazy story. <laughs> like I, this stuff like this happens like it's just like he's used to you getting caught by yeah, his he's, wife yeah he's used to getting brother. getting like, caught by his wife che- or yeah cheating on his wife and then a gun is <laughs> yeah a gun is pointed at him and, and his wife was arrested which like you wouldn't think that would come out of this scenario you would think it would be another thing where it's the other way around but it it makes sense yeah and apparently his wife also showed up with a bunch of her friends to confront him so it's just like a bunch of women coming in like strapped ready to go to uh like desperate housewives come player. into the yeah. room and <laughs> it's it's just a crazy story and then uh one other factor so earl thomas broke this news on his birthday so this happened in april but it was on his birthday may 7th where tmz decided all right now is the time to go public with this yeah, that's a, that's a great that's a great way to celebrate your birthday. Letting yeah. you know, letting the entire the entire world know about your unfortunate situation. Yeah, what's the worst situation you've ever found yourself in on your birthday? Um, so I remember when I was like 
in fourth or fifth grade. Uh, so my birthday is in the beginning of March, right? Yeah. And when I was that old, uh, I went to Catholic school, right? And we had Christmas vacation and spring vacation just like public schools. But we also had February vacation, right? And yep. I invited all my friends to my to a birthday party. Uh, you probably know the place, Chunkies. Yeah, right? it's a yeah, yeah. movie theater, dining movie, movie theater, theater, right? So I invited all my friends to. Do a you remember party. what movie it was? I think it was Ghost Rider. I'm not. I think that's okay. what it was. The Nicolas Cage yeah. movie. Um, so I invited all my friends to my birthday party, but the thing was, my birthday, March fifth, was like seven or eight days into February vacation, and at that age, I don't have. We don't have cell phones. So, like, I can't exactly tell my friends, like, hey, are you going to be at my birthday party uh, on this day, you know, yeah. 24 hours ahead. Uh, so, I invited them, like, seven or eight days ahead. And by by then, most of them most of them probably just decided not to show up and I was a loser. But some of them... They probably were, for, what, they forgot? Yeah. So, not... <laughs> everyone forgot. <laughs> Everyone? And all, everyone. Only one person showed up, and it was only because my mom was friends with my friend's mom and called her. <laughs> so if it wasn't for that, literally no one would have showed up. That's that's horrible. And like yeah. so, which is so that's a little bit better than Earl Thomas, but uh as a ten year old, eleven year old kid, it was a little heartbreaking. Yeah, oh I'm sure. I mean I, I feel bad about that. It, it I I get it, I understand, but like, I'm sure that's no, I'm really sure I'm sure I'm sure most of them did forget because I outside of that year I, I've had plenty of birthday parties where a dozen people showed up, but Yeah. Uh, I mean I'm, I sh- I'm sure some one. didn't want to go. I, I, I threw you a fake surprise party our senior year of high school where <laughs> you were the one who told me, Hey, throw me a surprise party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that wasn't that wasn't the worst one. That that was I had fun at that. That one's my favorite one. Yeah, that, oh, it was awesome. That one's my it best was, one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we can kind of tell that story now. So yeah, my my senior year of high school, um, I had just started to make a lot more friends than I had for most of my school years, um, because of the flag football league that we've talked about, as well as uh, me joining the track team, uh, and because of that, I had this like. I don't want to say newfound popularity because I still wasn't a popular kid. I just, I had like a, a normal amount of friends, I guess. And uh, <laughs> I, I had like thrown a couple of parties at, in my parents' basement, which, I mean, it was basically just like 20 plus people would come over and we'd all hang out and like play, play video, video games. games. And- yeah. P- like play darts. We'd all just like sit around, I, just like different things, watch TV, whatever. Nothing crazy. I wasn't like throwing ragers at their house, um, but there were there was a stretch of me like planning a few of them that were like fairly disappointing. Didn't really have a whole lot of turnout because most people were like, "Why would I go to this fake party when I can go to a real party instead, or just anything else?" Um, so Brian came up with the idea of, "Why don't you throw me a birthday party?" But, of course, it had to be a surprise party, which I don't know, like, if that was totally necessary to have it be a surprise party, but whatever. You came up with the idea. <laughs> it was my idea. Yeah. It seemed like you were, it seemed like you were, I don't know if desperate's the right word, but. Oh, I no, I was definitely desperate. Okay, all right. Like, you were desperate to throw 
bigger parties, yeah. make more friends. And so I was like, you know what? How, my birthday's coming up in a yeah, few weeks. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you throw exploited me a, it. Throw me, a... throw, me, throw, me, <laughs> throw me a birthday party? And then, and then <laughs> right after I said that idea, you went straight to the computer and you're like, all right, I'm going to invite this, yep. invite this person, this person. Do you, like this? Do you want to invite yep. this guy, Brian? You're like, yep. All right. And then a lot of people showed up. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. It was like, it, it was so much fun doing that. Like, I, I remember like, telling someone about this birthday party and uh, I said like yeah you know Brian like felt bad that I didn't I wasn't having people come to my other parties so he told me to throw him a birthday party and uh, their response was like what why would he do that like that's not nice I was like you're kidding me that's an awesome idea like this is great like all these people is that they're going <laughs> I remember yeah. when I so when you guys quote-unquote surprised me yeah, so I basically went, so everyone went, was hiding in the basement when you showed up, yeah. except for like three people. And, and when I went down the basement and saw yeah. how many people were in your basement at once, I was like, oh my God, this is yeah. crazy. When I when yeah. I got to your so when I got to your house and parked my car, I was like almost at the end of the street. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> there were so people many cars. There, get, there were yeah. so many cars. Like, oh I hope I mean I I'm sure it was all for one spot. For your house but there's a lot of cars yeah <laughs> i don't know if the night's gonna end well or not and yeah so there were a lot of people in that basement yeah hey it was, it was a fun night that's definitely one of my more memorable nights from high school and uh it didn't even involve drinking or anything we were all just like hanging out as another... oh, I, yeah I, I didn't yeah i didn't drink yeah. and no. i'm not even joking either i wish i kind of wish i did but i mean i mean I no really one there was i was yeah i was I was we having were, fun. Like, I didn't we were totally it. respectful to my parents. Like it, it was yeah. great. Like everyone was having a good time. We we did have strippers though. And that um Cam. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You know that that male stripper. Yeah. yeah he got was, gone in a box. <laughs> yeah. That was nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was that was that was a fun night. I'm, that that was that was a good birthday for you. Um. I'm yeah. I'm glad that I, I was able to partake. In that. <laughs> um, it, it was a win win situation. That's that's how I thought of. When I thought of the idea, I'm like, wow, this helps me because I'm getting thrown a giant party, but this helps him. Yeah. He gets to make more friends and he wants bigger parties. Yep, absolutely. So definitely more enjoyable than Earl Thomas's birthday this year. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right, that'll that'll uh, that'll wrap up today's episode. So I'm uh, not sure when the next one will come back. Uh, hopefully, we'll have more concrete plans to talk about when it comes to sports returning. Uh, but for now, uh, we will send you off. And for Brian Wells, I'm Corey Navani. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.